is Valentine's week. Mm-hmm. Fresh reminder for anybody who forgot. <laughs> I did not forget. Really? Mm-mm. You didn't forget? That's I never nice. forget. I only forget uh, things like when I want to forget them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wish I had that problem. It's like a, a, a listless forgetfulness. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not using that word properly, but it just sounded eh, good. I'm in, I'm in for sounded good. <laughs> so it felt appropriate this week to deal in tragedy and, and societal <laughs> breakdowns and the worst of humanity and a piece of history. Yes. <laughs> now, as, as one of the great love stories of our time, Titanic felt very appropriate for Valentine's Week. And yeah. as the movie itself drew in, maybe we get the fans of the epic disaster movie as well. <laughs> Not to be confused with The Great Poseidon Adventure. Which is a great movie. Yeah. I do really like that one. Not, well, there, also, not to be confused with the Poseidon Adventure remake with Kurt Russell. Yes. Which is, yes, yes, yes. So there was that one. And then the great, the, the one I'm referring to was what, 70s, 80s? That's, yeah, with Gene Hackman. Yeah. And, anyway. Yeah, good, good stuff. All around good stuff. But yeah, we elected to do James Cameron's Titanic from 1997. When I was a a wee lad, I was quite obsessed with this movie. Time out. What do you mean elected? (laughs) I was against this fully. No, I'm just kidding. Couldn't continue. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't don't recall you having strong feelings one way or the other. I think I said Billy Zane, and you're like, all right, I'm in. All right, I'm in. Let's do it. (laughs) Mummy? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) The mummy himself. But continue. I'm sorry, I interrupted that. Um, interestingly enough, around the same time the mummy actually took place. Yes. Well, the mummy's in the 1920s. No, I think. So I mean, within a decade, you know, that's okay. not too bad going back 100 <laughs> years. But yeah, I, there's a lot of information on on James Cameron's Titanic. It was a huge, massive undertaking. Mm-hmm. And went through a crazy amount of overhaul processes in post-production because the test screenings did not do well. The test screenings did not do well, really. No, and it was the movie itself was almost an hour, like an hour or so longer than the currently long as hell final cut. Yeah, (laughs) that sits at about three hours and five minutes. There was it was a much grander scoped epic. It covered a lot of plot threads throughout the ship, including the 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 Chinese man who they save from the water. There's a whole plot thread with Fabrizio with mm. a love story with him and so a Jewish woman that gets cut out. So there's a lot more. So this was, was originally then down. seen as more of an ensemble pick than just yeah, the... Yeah, it was, it, was it was a large-scale disaster piece with a lot of different story threads almost, going on. Almost like Nashville at sea, I guess. Yeah, leading a lot of things into the class structures and into the divides of uh, society that the movie already does lean into, but uh, these plot threads definitely pulled that out a lot more. And where the movie itself now fo- focuses a lot more on Jack and Rose's story. Yeah, so they they certainly... Uh, so Cameron originally wanted a bigger scope-wise of the story in terms of what characters you're going to follow. Yeah, it was more... It was, it was a grand epic where it still is, but it's much more narrowly focused. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has that, that epic that scale in terms of the feel of it, how it's shot. But yes, yeah. the the story and is, and a lot of that stuff was just baked into the nature of how it was produced. Yeah, so I mean that that element of it is definitely still there. It is much more whittled down to just their that love story. Yeah, and even like the the alternate ending that I know a lot of people have seen with Bill Paxton really just slamming the themes on the head with a mm-hmm. sledgehammer. I'm so glad that they changed that ending. It's it's much 
much much better <laughs> as it stands. Even though that 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 original concept ending was was much more in tune with the themes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I think that the more character based ending that they went with with Rose proving the the promise to Jack at the end and a lot of subtlety at play. Yeah, was was much more better suited to this story. But I'm starting at the end. Let's let's focus more on, <laughs> yes. on following through here. Take I, it away. I, Take it away, Jack. <laughs> Take it away. As as it goes in, I I really do love in the initial dive sequence whenever uh, Bill Paxton's sidekick <laughs> goes off of <laughs> you're so full of <laughs> boss whenever he's, he's doing the documentary <laughs> recording. Yeah. All that stuff really does make me laugh. And it, it's almost like Cameron's winking at the camera a little bit mm-hmm. about his directorial style, like kind of saying that he's, I think, I think it's a moment of reverence <laughs> in, in his style. I mean, he wrote and he did direct. So, I mean, those lines are all from his head. Yeah. So. But, I mean, he always does that now. Doesn't he always write and direct his own, his own for the most part. Like the, he's, he's one of those ones in some fashion. He's always involved in the writing room. Yeah. And but, I feel like everything following the abyss has just been attempt of him. It has been a filmmaking excuse for him to do deep dive yeah. <laughs> research. Like I think his, I think he just wants to be a researcher yeah. at heart and filmmaking is a vehicle uh-huh. for him to be able well, to do that. that. <laughs> this is just making me off topic, but this is making me think of the South Park episode where James Cameron <laughs> raises the bar literally. <laughs> yeah. Like he's the only one that could do it. I think it's James Cameron. I think, right. Yeah. Cause he, th- he dives th- down into like the depths familiar. of the ocean. Yeah. And he's like, we got to raise the bar back to where it was. God. I could very easily fall down to South Park. Yes, but anyway, for sure. <laughs> I'll try to. Uh, yeah. I'll try to keep myself in sync. Yeah, I. I thought that this, like this, kind of in the way that Interstellar was, like, drove a lot of things outside of the realm of just storytelling. It like spurred some real world conversations of the forensics of the Titanic sinking, and definitely drove historians to up their game and advance the research of like how this all went down. And there's there's a lot to that. I think Interstellar spurred an actual series of legitimate papers on black hole theory that mm-hmm. have, like changed the debate and reframed everything. And I think Titanic was in a similar category where we've since like really come to a better understanding of how this event actually occurred. Even just the actual forensic science of how the ship actually sank down to like the societal breakdown of the culture aboard the ship as it's very well documented within the movie and within history how it was it was the cultural divide it was the class structure of the separate areas of the ship that yeah. really caused a lot of this to break down and it's a very interesting case study on that aspect alone sounds almost like today no <laughs> yeah it's a it's a less exasperated version of today down to james horner's score i mean long-term collaborator with james cameron following that point the two of them worked very well together, and James Horner just knows how to literally play the heartstrings. If you look back to like Jumanji in mm-hmm. the '90s, every score he did, he just he really like it, it, raw emotion. Yeah, in my opinion, coming out through through his his work on the page and in in the performance of those scores, I think he's just he was one of the greats, and we unfortunately lost him yeah. too early as well. But yeah, he he was he was fantastic. Yeah, I do think that this film was a, a superpower in demographics. It's one of the ones that just has something for everyone. If you're not a fan of history itself, it's still a really great disaster piece. It's a great love story. There's a lot of impressive action in it. There are performances. I mean, it's it's one of those ones that fires on all cylinders. No no pun intended. Uh-huh. Okay. Pun absolutely intended. <laughs> 
Um, you think you really, yeah, the, you the think casting? It, you think it? You think it goes to all demographics? You think it's a wide? I think it's one that, in my personal opinion, everybody can get something out of. Okay. I think it's it's the most broad base film that I mean, Cameron's it, ever made. I mean, it definitely is a, a popcorn blockbuster film. I mean, it was the top film gross wise of all time for, uh, I think, until Avatar, right? I think, yeah, decades worth. I mean, I think maybe Dark Knight bopped it out there for a minute, but that would have been no more than a year yeah. <laughs> preceding Avatar. <laughs> yeah, the cast, at the time, this was an unprecedentedly strapped cast, like down to Bates. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Paxton, longtime collaborator with James Cameron. I mean, he's the only actor to be killed by a Predator, a Terminator, and an alien. <laughs> xenomorph so bernard hill who we saw in lord of the rings yes theoden himself a bit last week yeah theoden do we actually get a scene with theoden reed richards and there was a third one in there that i couldn't remember but it was just like whoa there's a <laughs> yeah there's a uh, well, un- i feel like this is one of those movies where maybe the majority of the cast wasn't famous necessarily at the time but then wasn't super famous yeah i mean there were people in here but clearly yeah. claimed their fame from this yeah but I, also, we've talked about in the past how this is the film that definitely downturned Billy Zane's career. A lot of people would say torpedoed it into oblivion. Uh-huh. Which is weird. I don't get why this particularly. I think because, honest to God, he knocked out of the park to such an insane degree a the, one of the biggest pieces of of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he was just such a hateable character and he did it so well that nobody wanted to see him again. <laughs> like <laughs> That, yeah, that's... That sounds like I think when he when he he'd had this and in a similar proximity to the Phantom coming out, he also played a wealthy figure in mm-hmm. the Phantom, but he was supposed to be a likable wealthy figure, and that just when you're going up against Kaladin Hockley, yeah, who's a rich asshole in every sense of the word, yeah. it doesn't doesn't sell, so to speak. But I d- I do yeah. like Billy Zane. I I especially like him recently in The Boys. He's he's fantastic playing an alternate version of himself in that show. <laughs> just he's a good dude, but he played a very unlikable dude, dude a little and too. And that well. just yeah, that was just the that was that was all she wrote. The, as they say. the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, he did it. He went there. I went there. I went there. I don't. I was uh, okay. I don't know. I, it was there. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. I think this is one of the one of the most quotable blockbusters, definitely of the '90s, possibly of all time. It has spurred God knows how many memes you see all the time. It's been 84 years. Yeah, <laughs> I see a lot of time like uh-huh. jokes, like like the boyfriend disappearing, and <laughs> then the images like Rose. He exists now only mem- in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh, I so, have to draw you. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that that scene alone has been memed into oblivion. Let me let me um, also say this. I will admit here that this was the first time I saw a nude scene. I saw this in theaters, not knowing there. I did as well. You couldn't readily look up what was going to be in. No, that was a pre-internet time. You just you you jump in and hope for the best. Yeah, and I remember when the scene happens when she's a Kate Wins is about to drop the robe and he's gonna draw her and everything and i'm just like what 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 is happening what's what's going on mm-hmm. and i just <laughs> my mom <laughs> were like never the whispering same. <laughs> just put your head down and i'm like oh okay just look at your shoes you look at your shoes look at your shoes <laughs> but yeah so 
I remember too. The theater fun fa- fun was fun fact, packed. though, about that scene in the insert shots of the actual drawing of the image. It's actually James Cameron's hands. Really? Because he is he is actually that good of a, a sketch artist. Oh, he, he draws all his own storyboards, and because he knew what he wanted compositionally, mm-hmm. he just he put a, put the shirt and stuff on, and that's that was that. Okay, but yeah, I, I always thought that, that was a cool detail, just that he it was by his hand. It just adds adds a level of int- intrigue. Yeah. to that, I think. Yeah, I I think in broad strokes terms, like the themes of Titanic, it's it's very much a. I think it is the quintessential female empowerment movie wrapped deeply in a class structure, has a lot to say about women coming up through these insane power-hungry groups of financially steeped men who just feel like they own everything, and there's there's a lot there. We said Billy Zane really just sold that performance yeah. uh, forward from a Pittsburgh Steel Tycoon family. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough, which I thought was very, very interesting tie in Pittsburgh pops up in fun ways and so but you would say yeah there's a a female empowerment movie movie I would say so I'm not saying it's like anti-feminine no I think it's uh, in the way that Rose breaks from this system of control true all right her entire life I look back to especially the scene where I had this up for later in the notes here but the scene where She's at lunch with the the friends of her mother, and she looks across the restaurant and sees the young girl folding a napkin very pristinely mm-hmm. and very properly. It's almost you can kind of read into that scene and see see her seeing herself in yeah. that young girl. And the, there's a lot of stuff there that I feel really taps lightly on those themes and does so very elegantly, but still gets its message across. Mm-hmm. In a, in, a, in a good way, I think. And I think that was a little unprecedented for 1997, at least on the, at least for sure on this scale to a movie of this visual and budgeted caliber. Yeah. Well, so I think that there's, there's a lot there for, in terms of Well, that. too, and I think just thinking about it, like today, movies, TV shows, whatever, have become to the point where they've become so formulaic in the sense, oh, you got you to gotta tick all these boxes off. Yeah. So I guess... I guess just the rather concept, than just elegantly telling us yeah, a story. I guess just like know. the concept of what you had mentioned, it just never occurred to me because just they just did a good job telling a good story. That yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I guess they did sneak that one in there, and it did, and that's okay. Like yeah, and I, I also the scene between Rose and her mother, I think taps on that as well yeah thematically where they're they're discussing the finances of their family and how as women they only have so much to work with Mm -hmm. in terms of standing on their feet and i especially given for commentary on society in 1912 yes that is very much a a relevant to this story which too like you think like historical wise this is still in the on the tail end of the victorian era world war one hasn't started yet which many people argue many historians argue world war one is what helps birth like the modern world that we live in today into today oh big time Absolutely. So you think it's a very, it is a very, very different time. Very different time. Also, right on, right, they even make commentary of this towards the end of the film, but right on the cusp of the stock market crash just about Mm -hmm. a decade 
some later things were riding high up until that point. Yeah. There, all these high society types were living in the highest of highs. And then overnight you see them dip into the lowest of lows. Yeah. So, I mean, class structures around that time were the thing. I mean, there's a lot to be said there for that. And I think that this movie, I, you can even look at way, some of the way the scenes are cut uh, mm-hmm. right, right after the, the hitting of the iceberg, you see the uh, cut directly back and forth between the, the lower deck response to that they can hear it waking them out of bed screeching yeah. against the walls and then cut directly to the upstairs and you see one of the high class women go i f- believe i felt a shudder <laughs> the, <laughs> well, the i shouldn't, one I like, shouldn't I, remember likely, back into bed <laughs> <laughs> we likely threw a propeller blade is what you <laughs> get, back in. get back in there <laughs> But yeah, I I also like the production standpoint. I mean, they they built half of the ship itself. Yeah, I mean, well, they used like yeah, they used scale. real in this, didn't they? They they used some authentic cast moldings for some of the china and some of the vases and things for mm-hmm. of like real elements and stuff to get as accurate as possible. They they even used a port as close as they could get, but it was actually faced in the wrong direction. So what they ended up doing was mirroring a lot of the typefaces for a lot of the signage, all the trucks and carts and stuff loading up the ship in that port sequence. All that stuff was printed backwards so they could mirror the port yeah. in the in the edit. And all, all that stuff I thought was very clever. And they actually, for the later scenes, they printed a lot of things double because they only had half of the ship long lengthwise so anytime they needed to show the other side they would have to mirror once again so but interesting levels of production there and clever fixes for rather complex problems <laughs> well no yeah and i'll give I'll, I'll just come out and say it titanic isn't one of my favorite movies interesting and i think it's more just because i don't know if i'm trying to be to say that just to say that like be no yeah contrarian just for the sake of doing it i'm the polar opposite of that when i was a when i was a young lad i actually like when we did we discussed with phil and volcano how he got books out on volcanology i was getting books out on titanic <laughs> and i was i was researching the white star line not that not not that i school. not that i hate it it's not like not that i hate the movie no yeah but yeah it just wasn't i don't know didn't well I, I would say like when i first saw it yes i enjoyed it i would say this as i've gotten older i'm like oh, okay and i think it's more because the script gets whittled down to just the two of them which i get yes i and i had not known what you brought up earlier about that he was going for a more grander scale you yeah, know story it was, it was in terms like, of multiple characters that i might have enjoyed more i think yeah, now, it, it was it was long and did not. Yeah, test now well. maybe I, I maybe that would work as a movie. Maybe in today's age, we would see that more as like a limited series, kind of. Yeah, on one of the streaming platforms out there, I don't know, but yeah, that's that, that's my two bits on that. Continue. Yeah, no, I mean, there's like we said, this is a very quotable movie. There's a lot of, <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of little great gems like. Uh, What's his name? Uh, oh, I'm gonna have to look. Which one? Describe him. From uh, the father from Jumanji. Oh yeah, he plays uh, Mr. Ismay. Mr. Ismay, yeah, one of the art like architects um, of the ship or something. When they're having lunch with him, and uh, Rose has the comment says she says, "I think uh, you should look into Mr. Freud. I think his preoccupations with size would would interest you yeah. greatly." And then everybody else who understands what she's talking about scoff and wince. And then he goes after she walks away. He says, "Freud, who's he? Is he a passenger?" <laughs> Can't tell you how many times I've said that. One. <laughs> Freud, is it? Well, I, I always took that as like, nobody knows 
what she's talking about except for her. Okay, Molly has her little spark. Oh, she gets uh, that's true. She, she might. Yeah, Molly Brown Even if might. she doesn't understand who Freud is, like she gets the sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> and her mother is appalled. <laughs> Freud, who is but, he? Is he a passenger? Uh, is he a passenger? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of great little quotes like that. Yeah. Like you unimaginable bastard. Who? What else? I, I remember in college a lot, there were the, just a lot of little dumb Titanic quotes <laughs> popping up. I have, a, I have, a, I have actually have several written down here. I have the, it's been 84 years. Mm-hmm. I, I always loved the quote out, outwardly when she's first walking on, when Rose is first walking onto the ship, she says, outwardly I was everything a well brought up girl should be. Inside I was screaming and then the smash cut to the horn, to the, the blaring. Oh, the, the blaring of the, the, yeah, the steam stacks, the, yeah, all yeah. that. And then immediately change, like that is such like a story bullet and then it <laughs> immediately changes over and gets, starts you into Jack's story. I thought that the, the edit was so finely tuned. Yeah. And got, got us rolling along and there's, there's, ironically enough, there's no dead weight. <laughs> when like the story itself is about dead weight uh-huh. falling to the depths of the ocean. But I think that the fact that they actually dove down and got legitimate photography of the sunken ship, yeah. I mean, like that stuff was all No, that was good. Well, they did, they like, did miniatures too for some of those wide shots. No, I think that this movie stands as by far the best miniature work of the nineties. Oh no yeah. Question. I'll give it like, that. No question. The miniature photography of this is unparalleled. They, they were doing things like vastly ahead of their time. Like, shooting the accurate frame rates to scale i mean that was stuff that only kubrick was had done prior to this i think so i mean like way ahead of time thinking in terms of stuff that wasn't popularly known like only a select few knew those kinds of things Mm -hmm. and how to tweak them properly the stage work sinking all all of these immense stages under 12 feet of water like I mean, the, the amount of work that that took is absolutely insane, and the amount of money it took is even more insane. Um, Not to mention actually tilting the exterior set itself. I, I, they did a lot of cheats with groundbreaking CGI work to accentuate that, but I mean, they still tilted a full-scale model of Titanic to like a considerable axis yeah. and did it in the water. <laughs> That's <laughs> insane. And they had a lot of clever little tricks to like it because it wasn't fully tilted on axis to get people to slide. They had little rollers built into their costuming and stuff like there was a lot of cool little tricks oh yeah there's definitely a lot of top-notch practical special effects going on in this this is definitely one of those times where you had jurassic park like only four years earlier you had did independence day come out yet this was 97 i believe independence day was 98. 98 okay you definitely had this era of computers aren't nearly as powerful as they are now yeah but they were still there so it was like people were getting to be able to do new things but they still had to rely on the old ways of doing it so you got like this interesting blend when it comes to i think the 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 effects department I think the the powerhouse of how to do that is continuously changing up the effect and using the right effect for the right sh- the right shot, and that way your audience is focused less on how it was done and more into the storytelling. So yeah, if you use any one effect, it becomes oh that's how they did it, and then that's all you can think about. But then when you can't tell shot to shot what the effect is because it's so different each time, you just get lost in the the mystique. Of mm-hmm. it. And I think that that's the best way to do it. It's a very expensive way to do it, but it is the most effective. I mean, I feel like if if camera could have had his way he would have built a whole new titanic and, oh, and shot yeah. it and sunk yeah. it if he would have fully had his way yes I, I actually i think he was starting as he fully dipped his toe this time around he had dabbled pre- previously in high scale cgi mm-hmm. but this was like his first like massive scale foray into cgi in a feature i think he started to get a taste for how many problems that could solve and i think it become became very apparent by the time avatar came around yeah that he wanted to 
make that the catch-all solution <laughs> to a lot of problems. Did they ever build? Do I remember? Do you ever remember hearing that they were going not not related to the movie, but Titanic itself, the real one, that they were going to build a Titanic two and take? Did that ever happen? They're going to take the same journey. There are apparently still plans to do this. Okay, but it hasn't happened, right? That to my knowledge, it has not yet set sail. Okay, yeah, that was interesting. I actually did get to check out. Uh, Carnegie Science Center exhibit that recently had the Titanic. That was interesting. Uh They actually had a physical block of ice that you could press your hand against that was the accurate temperature of the water and you could see how long you could just even hold your hand on it. Oh, like, all right. That's interesting. I was like, I can't even hold my hand on here and these people were sitting in this water for hours. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. That that, that exhibit was pretty fascinating. Kind of heartbreaking, actually. Because mm-hmm. you get a real world sense of how tragic this this event yeah. was. What I, what I, one of the things I really love about Titanic and the way it's told is very subtle in its storytelling and it's something we've discussed quite a few times before. There's a lot of plant and a very effective plant and payoff Mm -hmm. in Titanic. Yeah, no, there is, definitely. Just even to Jack climbing up to the sec- to the first class section from second class I mean that pays off in the third act because he knows how to quickly traverse all that as they're rushing to try it's not even it's not slammed on its head at all but I mean he's he just he knows that because he's already done it yeah there's a couple of tragic elements of this when they t- when they t- imprison Jack after framing him for stealing the diamond they take his jacket away which I know is not his jacket but that's partly what kills him I mean he doesn't have any he's yeah. got a thin shirt on by the time he's in the water and there's little things like that that like yeah maybe Kaladin didn't actually kill him but he definitely contributed <laughs> to the events that led to his death oh yeah I mean indirectly yeah absolutely yeah like, nothing, he, like that notwithstanding that he handcuffed him and I will say you're talking about like quotes <laughs> like I will say one that kind of sticks with me and a testament to Billy Zane's performance is like right when Rose is getting on the boat and he <laughs> Cal lies to her saying oh we got a boat yeah. on the other side of the ship and then Jack is like there is no ship he's like no there is not that you'll, not that you'll benefit for benefit but he says I always win, Jack, one way or another. I, I do it's say stuff like that. Complete total win. piece of shit. I always win, Jack, one way or another. He also had that that smug air to his inflection down to a T. Yeah. But Bill, I, I think that performance also mirrors Paxton's Brock Lovett. I mean, there's it's, it's almost like there's an internal war with Paxton's character try, like between <laughs> is he going to be a Jack or is he going to be a Kaladin? Yeah, like, no, yeah. And I, that that's what was attempted with the original ending, I think. But I, I'm glad they still away from that but i mean that element does still live there in paxton's performance mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of interesting things like like that i mean it, it all continuously plays back to the class structure of live life to the fullest in jack's mantra or i always win jack there's there's two sides of that coin and i think that's really at the heart of the real world story of titanic as well as the narrative telling that always seems to be a popular name too for characters is jack yeah it's a very it's a very every man yeah kind of name. i'm just thinking like yeah there's always a jack somewhere or even like, like even in <laughs> even in even in black sheep with david spade and chris farley <laughs> and he's and the cop pulls him over he's like what well, i don't know how you do things up in belleville in buckley town officer me off jack <laughs> jack <laughs> now credit he's going for the joke but still yeah <laughs> jack was jack is a is a pop is a popular character name it, it definitely is 
Another plant payoff that I thought about, you remember the scene where Jack is teaching Rose how to spit off the end of the ship? Mm -hmm. And later on, she, to get out of Kaladin holding her back from escaping towards the end, she spits in his face. And it's like, that's something that Jack taught her how to do. Yeah. So well, a lot of little clever things like that. See, that's why I bring up the, when you were saying the female empowerment movie, I'm going to get a little controversial here on this one. Oof. Just, 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 hey, just, just hang on a sec. Okay. So. So I'm only saying this because this is what the world has done to me now. So when she says it at the end, old Rose, yes, she says, or the guy, one guy says, we can't find any record of Jack. There's nothing of him anywhere. I was, I was kind of cringed at that line because it's like they, they just first heard about him within the last half hour. Yeah. 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 So it's like, how did you look him up already? And when she says, no, there wouldn't be, would there? But, and then she's like, now, you know, there was a Jack Dawson and that he saved me. In every way that a person can be saved. So I ask the question then, does that, I don't think it does. I don't think it ruins the empowerment movie aspect that you were going for. But would you think that people would would now say, oh, it's not because it, it well, violates no, I think the... Well, I think people probably would say that nowadays. Yes, but, that's more what I'm asking because um, like, okay, whether or not he's the reason she saves, but he's at, at the very least, she still has to save herself. So at the very least, yeah, he's the mentor that helps her get there. That goes back to an actual line when Jack first professes his love to Rose. She's, she says, I'm not looking for you to save me, Jack. And he says, I know, only you can do that. So I think it actually is directly stated in there Yeah, exactly what you're referring to Okay, in, a, in an interesting way. I mean, it's it's a lot of back and forth, but it's like that, that all plays into the romance of it. And in a lot of, like she, like she even says, it's a lot of ways, but she definitely did her part in that. And, yeah. You know, it was... It's a team effort. Team, <laughs> team effort all around. Team team effort all around. I'm just, it's so weird how like I look at movies now, stories, whatever, and it's like, you always have to like be like, all right, who's gonna, who's gonna not be happy that we're doing this? I mean, you're always gonna have that. Yeah. I don't think that, that I don't think that that's avoidable in this day and age. I mean, you also have from the Cameron world, another Jeanette Goldstein cameo. She was in pretty, she's, I, to my understanding, at least following Terminator 2, she's in pretty much every one of his movies. Who's she in this? Oh. Oh yeah, no, that's right. She's like that mother she's the that's Irish in it mother. for like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and she's the stepmother in Terminator Two. She's the warrior in Aliens. Yeah, no, she's telling the the kid. She's putting the kids to bed with the Legend of Tirnanog. Given the the most heartbreaking of delivery. <laughs> now, but here's my thing. How how in the hell? How in the hell? Would those kids have even how how would she even have gotten them to go to sleep by reading them the tier, the story of Tyrion and Nog? But that but like holy, there's like they got people like shooting each other and flying around up top. The ship's going down. I mean, they're in steerage. When, those kids can't hear. But but when the ship like splits or like it goes, it's sticking up in the air. You mean they? You mean to tell me they're still asleep during all this? We don't see it. I I know. Happen. But I'm just like so, now. How is that's off working. screen. I yeah. demand a They're, refund all these the years mother later. doing her best. I want, I want my, oh God, what would it have cost back in 97? Maybe like, maybe like five bucks. What do you think? Maybe it was like five dollars for, for a movie ticket. Oh, it, whatever. Five, Adjusted for inflation. I'll even, I'll even just like give them a break. I want $10 back. I demand it. Man, I saw this in theaters like seven times. 
<laughs> not not even counting the remasters. I went. I definitely went back for the 2012 3D ordeal. Yeah. And then there was last year the 4K remaster release. They're running it again this year. Interestingly enough, Lightstorm's remaster attempts have been getting very interesting. And this is slightly off topic. Yeah. But the initial uh, Terminator 2 was a heavily contested remaster that a lot of people got angry about. I personally had no problem with it. I thought it looked great. It was oversaw by Cameron and Adam Greenberg. I don't know how Adam Greenberg was still alive. Yeah. He was old when they shot Terminator 2. I was like, he's... It's because he's a Terminator now. He's a Terminator. He's a Terminator. But yeah, a lot of people said that their glassing over kind of made it look plasticky. I didn't didn't personally take that away. I thought it was fine. I thought that for this, I rewatched the current remaster, the current 4K remaster. I thought it looked fantastic. Yeah. Especially especially in the wide shots, those sunset shots of the ship. And given that they were composed almost entirely in computer, made it all that more impressive Mm -hmm. for me. Wasn't it true that like in one of the remasters, he went back and changed the night sky because it when uh, they're yeah. out on the water because someone years later pointed out like oh that wouldn't been that wouldn't have been the night sky at that time it would have been this i don't know that it's been changed but i remember somebody pointing that out yeah that yeah that and then i actually also watched some of the bonus features as well and cameron did a little experiment in a in his private indoor submersed tank because you know <laughs> he has that and uh, <laughs> of course he um, does he just he's like he's like vader when he's in the tank outside the suit he's just like he's just he lives in a back to tank <laughs> but he to contest some of the people who've argued with him over the years that jack could have fit on the door the whole argument that jack could have fit on yes the, door the, the legendary argument yes they broke it down to like the bolt nuts and bolts forensics of it whether or not that could have actually been done and they proved that yes technically he could they could have made it work mm-hmm. but it would have stretched the both of them to their like bring potential survival and i think given everything that jack knew in a snap instance i think it's perfectly fair for him to have assumed that it wouldn't have worked <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like okay yeah that could have very very in a forensically controlled environment potentially have worked yeah i don't think it's outlandish for jack in the moment to assume that it would no i would agree that never that honestly never bothered me too much yeah, me either. Like, it's because it's for the sake of the story. Yeah, I mean, I get, and obviously character. you never want something people. like that in, in any story you write. You don't want something to be for the sake of the story because then it's like, well, you just could have done this. Yeah. But that, but I, I, think I mean, I get it. In that scenario, set of conditions. In that scenario, you might not have your full wits about you. I mean, how could you? I mean, yeah. You also just got sucked like half a mile down into freezing yeah, water. Yeah. And <laughs> like just trying to, just trying to make sure that she's safe, I think at that point was all like he just yeah it also like yeah like he's it reinforces that standpoint that he's he's doing everything he can to protect her yeah it's more of an error on his own part and just not wanting to risk it yeah yeah that that's one thing that that never bothered me i will say never bothered me too much i'm like yeah but eh. yeah there's a there's another line i wanted to bring up the one white star line serviceman yelling at them as they're like busting through one of the doors Mm -hmm. he says you can't do that you're gonna have to pay for that that's That's white White star Star line property property. that brings up a very sad actual reality of the Titanic sinking and that's that the White Star Line actually sued certain survivors and families of the deceased. Oh, shit. For missing property or stolen property in that like life jackets and stuff being taken away. People who survived on deck chairs and things. And when I read that and found that I found out part of this through the exhibit and stuff. And when I found that out mm-hmm. through research, I, I like I said, I researched this like crazy when I was a kid. It broke my heart that this company like killed all these people 
through their own negligence and then went after them financially in the wake that, of it. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. That sounds like did you ever see did you ever see the documentary of the corporation? Mm-mm. This is this is Not from familiar. a little while back, but it was like a, te- a, a company went into I want to say Africa, a much much more impoverished country and basically bought the town and bought there's a thing where they bought all the rights to any rain that fell. That's insane. Yeah, they own it. Then they own it. I don't think they're around anymore obviously but the people had to pay like they couldn't even get fresh like rainwater anything they they owned it they owned it all so that yeah something like i never knew they did that they sued them later on but i'm not surprised human greed yeah, human just, greed is, is as old as civilization itself and knows no bounds uh-huh. it's still like you, you'd think it wouldn't be shocking at this point but it's still it's still oh yeah not to excuse it but yeah i did yeah didn't know that but not actually i did watch this in two parts as well and i a lot of people make fun of me because i know this but but do you remember the old the the two set VHS tapes back in the day yes. for this? I know the exact line and time code that this separates. Oh yeah, what, what what is it? Okay, wait. So okay, go. So the line itself is where <laughs> the captain says, "I believe you may get your lines, Mister." Oh and yeah, and then the yeah black. yeah Bernard Hill gives him the little turn. Yeah, and then if memory serves, the time code is one hour forty seven minutes and fifty five seconds. Ugh. That's all right. I mean, I, I know a lot of stuff. I Well, I couldn't give you the time code of when Bernard Hill says, so it begins when Helm's Deep is about to be. Yeah. But <laughs> I've always wanted to do like a cut with Theoden and you know, what's the captain's name? Captain Smith. Is it Captain Smith? Yeah. At like the two, obviously it's the same actor. Like I wanted like the two of them to be like, like talk to each other. If I could like, yeah. if I had the ability to do that. That would be an epic conversation, honestly. Like he's trying to tell him to get off and it's like, you could cut it with like, look, what would you have me do? Look at my man. <laughs> also, the, I'm looking at the cast here. I mean, Victor Garber, one of his, one of the great performances of his career as well. He played Thomas Andrews. He w- was on the Alias TV show mm-hmm. as the father. Jennifer Garner. There's, the, there's a Julia Garner. Now. I was like, why are you, why are you so quiet all of a sudden? Say it, say it right. Quite, say it proud. Because I was, I knew I was wrong. <laughs> I can't remember all these people's names. I'm amazed I remember half of them. Yeah, I, I I do think that this is one of the films that will truly stand the test of time. I, it's the sinking of the ship has already been proved somewhat inaccurate. Yeah, largely because of the research that's been done as a result of mm-hmm. success and fame and in, intrigue and pop. Well, culture. it is one of those things. Like I've always said, I've mentioned this before. Like. If if a movie can doesn't necessarily have to be 100% historically accurate, but if it can at least spark the interest in the real history, then that's I think that's good. Yeah, I, the the main contention with that is how high the arc was in the sh- in back end of the ship. Mm-hmm. Right, new science is saying that it did not tip to a full goal like the film supposes. You could debate that back and forth because yeah. nobody was there, and the eyewitness testimony is from a small handful of people that survived to see it actually occur. So I think that that one's up for debate. But I and then a large part of it is if you want to get down to the brass tacks of it is really bolts down to the bottom armored portion of the the ship and how it was bent is the only thing to really suggest that and I, with it hitting the ocean floor mm-hmm. we kind of got to take the the existing forensics there with a grain of salt and the fact that we were only able to examine it some seventy plus years after the fact yeah minimum before we were able to actually go down and locate it yeah that is true yeah it took a while before they could find it 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I think there's only so much we're ever going to truly know yeah. about that. Oh, we didn't touch on the, the big, the big thing with the this big? movie. What's that? What you got? The theme song. I actually, I did have that on my list here. I've, my heart will go yeah, on. Yeah. Like, I mean, this was like, I can remember girls in grade school having like a freaking seance with this song at recess. It like, was everywhere. It was in 97. <laughs> everywhere. I remember it was on entertainment tonight and everything like night for months. It, 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 yeah. To the point where I will say it is one song that I, I, I don't know if you can ever hear a song enough in your lifetime to be like, okay, I don't need, I don't need to hear it again anymore. Yeah. This definitely came close to that for me. <laughs> yeah. Just cause it I, was, I think it was, it was everywhere. And this was long, this was before the internet, the way it is today, the internet's still in its infancy. So now it's like, everything's like that. Yeah. But it's, this, this was yeah, this is the precursor that. to everything being everywhere at once. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, this is one I, I could definitely talk about hours and hours and hours and hours. There's so many elements to this movie and so much to its production mm-hmm. down to every bit of this movie. I personally think uh, for its time in 1997 is utter perfection. I think because they really maximized their time following those those critical reviews of the initial release of test screenings. Yeah. I think they really knuckled down and to the 11th hour of releasing that print really focused on what what they needed to do to make it work and i think it's box office numbers speak volumes and it's not always the case i think that that's an accurate figure but in this case it's fitting because the work the work shows and it's in so many ways it's a landmark for what filmmaking is capable of Mm -hmm. and it's it's rare that you get something that's such a good story but also has such innovative processes and such effective methods for how they brought it to the screen like we said before there's an incredible miniature work i think james horner's score one of the best of his career very and that score is intrinsically wrapped in the dna of the storyline i mean it's it oh, lives i mean and that's breathes yeah and that's what starts that's it. what kicks it all off is I, I think if you don't have that score the whole thing falls apart oh yeah you you definitely lose some of the soul of the movie the the irish themes alone i mean that that below deck sequence with all the live all the irish band performances were live performed and i like it, it hits you and you're in your chest when you hear the the drum beats of that party sequence and then just the the like all all the the vocal work and stuff it it takes you it takes you on flight here the performances i mean you spawned a lifelong friendship between kate winslet and leo Mm -hmm. i know i know several people hoping and praying that the two of them will finally get together in real life (laughs) but all these award shows and stuff you see them definitely still winking at each other and having having a lot of respect for one another and i think that that kind of thing is pretty rare i mean costuming and set design to i think is is kind of unparalleled in terms of period pieces. This is the grandest scaled period piece I can even think of. I'm trying to think of like, well, I mean, I mean, I guess it depends on, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia or, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Or Spartacus or definitely for the nineties. I would say Oh, for the nineties. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a fantastic film. I think it's one of Cameron's best which is tall, tall order to begin with. Would do you like this more than Terminator in terms of Cameron's movies? Or do you like this more than The Abyss? I, I definitely like it more than The Abyss, which is tough for me to say, but I will admit. I know a lot of people would d- disagree with me on that, but I think The Abyss is incredible. But I think you can't have Titanic without the abyss Mm -hmm. so that also implies just in the same way i would argue the differences between blade runner and blade runner 40 2049 yeah well 
I mean, Blade Runner is an absolute classic and Blade Runner 2049 can't exist without it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, take all that as you will. A lot of factors there. I, I think Cameron does such drastically different work each time that it's tough to judge. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think his, his, not to get into a whole Cameron thing, but I think his, his comeuppance from being a lowly t- truck driver at the start of his career, he was doing to support buying film stock <laughs> and he did all this. He did in between all of his, his runs, he would go spend a lot of his time at the library researching. He would just walk into AFI and start reading their books off the shelf. Oh, okay. Like he, did he didn't go to film school. He just walked into the libraries uh, of film schools thing. and like, yeah. Yeah. And then he would just, he would just read books off the shelves and copy the notes. So that's what we should have just been That's doing. We I could have saved all this money. Yeah, we blew it. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, End it. End it now. <laughs> Cut it. Now, I, I always found that interesting about him, though. I thought that that was clever. And uh, I don't I, th- I think that the underwater photography down to everything, I think it's, it pushed a lot of bars. And I, that's ironically enough that yep. uh, you brought up South Park. <laughs> I think that that's real funny that they took note of that. But yeah, I, it's one that I think it, it is deserving of, of a second look and going into some of the extended materials for, because I think there's a lot there and a lot to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Revolutionary Road? Yeah. I always thought that that was fascinating. Anybody who is a fan of the cast of Titanic, mm-hmm. I definitely, if you can stomach a very heart, a very gut-wrenching, tough-to-swallow performance, set of performances from Kathy Bates, Michael Shannon, the reuniting of Kate Winslet and DiCaprio for the first time since on screen. I mean, that movie is rough. Yeah. Heartbreakingly rough. Yeah. I actually... More, more so than this movie. I enjoy Revolutionary Road more than Titanic in terms of like... You know. I have to wait like at least seven years but, at a time between watching Revolutionary but Road. I can watch Titanic it. more often, yes, than I could Revolutionary yeah. Road. Revolutionary Road, you gotta like prepare emotionally to swallow that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't go down as easy. <laughs> you think you're so funny. No, I really don't. I'm really not. <laughs> doesn't go down as easy. Get out of here. Just leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. Okay, trying to think. Tough one. I could just go off and off and off about it. I'm good. Um, what are some good Billy Zane lines we can throw in? We'll both have the we'll both have the lamb. Rare with <laughs> we'll very little have... mint sauce. <laughs> you like you like ma- <laughs> lamb, don't you, sweet pea? Please, I have a child. I have a child. Uh, yeah, it's another one that's memed to hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like everybody doing their taxes. I have a child. I have a child. <laughs> <laughs>